Welcome to The Rational Egoist. I'm your host, Michael Leibowitz. I recently read a book by Robin D'Angelo called White Fragility. And in that book, she made many claims, but one of them that I, I found interesting was she said that white people are afraid to discuss race. Now, this went so contrary to my own personal experience that I decided to have on a guest that I spent a lot of years uh, discussing race with. He's somebody that I know will be raw. He'll be honest. He'll disagree with me and he'll also be respectful. So I think we're honored to have him here today. Kamathi Watson, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Michael Leibowitz. It's an honor to be here. So uh, Kamathi's voice, you might hear it. It's a little muffled coming in and out, but bear with us. Uh, try to listen to the content of what he says rather than the technology that we're dealing with, because you have to understand we both spent a lot of time in prison, so neither one of us are technological geniuses at this point. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. So when I say it's contrary to my experience to talk about race, I understand that my experience might not be common. And what I mean by that is this. In prison, we're forced to live together multiple races in one housing unit. Whereas if I had just remained on the street, I might not have associated with so many people who differed from me in ethnicity and in race as I did in prison. Also, there were so few of us in there that were into studying, learning, uh, you know, reading that we gravitate toward each other. And it's natural for us to debate everything, not just race, but, you know, politics, current events, culture, prison life, whatever. So I recognize that my experience might be relatively unique. So I wanted to ask you, uh, your experience outside of prison, both before you went in and after you got out, are white people, in your experience, hesitant to discuss racial issues? I think so, yes, because I believe that, again, you're in a society right now where I believe that it's, it's several reasons why I think that that was going to come about. But I believe that white people may be hesitant to speak about race because now we live in a, in a, in a cancel, what they call as a cancel culture where people may be afraid that the consequences of what their words are going to bring. I also think that it's a sensitive subject that people may not know how to approach it. I think it's also going to be a situation where, again, depending on who you are and depending on the type of relationship you have with a person, I'll give you an example, the type of relationship that we have. You're Jewish, I'm African-American. We have the type of relationship where we can have a candid, open conversation respectfully without it being a situation where now I'm offended, where I'm losing a friend, where we both know that the ultimate goal is to get to the get to what we need right. to get to. There's not a lot of people who have the maturity or the foresight to see or, or not believe that there's some type of underlying motive behind what I'm doing this. So now it's not about, well, I'm just trying to have a relationship where I'm trying to get to the bottom of the subject. It's, oh, there's something underneath here when I know that the, the when we have a conversation, you and I per se, I know that there's no underlying motives. I know there's no hidden agendas. It's you really genuinely would like to know an answer and you have something, you just want the answer to the question. So I believe that it is hard. I believe that it's also going to come down to the type of character or the individual that you're going to have this conversation with. Sure. I, you know, what you said, it strikes me as true about being hesitant because when I first started doing radio interviews, uh, a guy in the block, I was still in prison at the time that I'm friends with, 
he told me, Mike, you need to start discussing issues that have to do with race. It was, you know, a black guy telling me this. And I told him, I'm okay with doing that. I said, the problem is there's pitfalls that I might fall into that I'm not meaning to fall into. Like I might say something that offends people that might, like you say, get me canceled. And I'm not trying to do that. And I told him, for instance, I said, if I'm going to do this, do I, do I refer to black people as black or do I say African-American? I don't know. Like when I talk to you, you and I talk about black and white and it's, that's it. But I, I say, you know, the blacks in the inner city are, are, are reasonably suspicious of the police. And someone might say, who the hell are you to refer to them as the blacks? And now I'm like, oh shit, I'm screwed. You, you yeah, know did I, I say so? Yeah, so, 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 so you're not even going to get past the, the, you're not even going to get into the conversation right. because you're so, so concerned about being politically correct with everything you're saying. Right. And it's, it, and I generally don't care, but if I want to get a message across, then the point is to get the message across, which you can't do if somebody just hears a word come out of your mouth and stops, like if I'm talking to you, right. And I'm Jewish, let's say you're unfamiliar with the word kike. Kike is a a defamatory word about Jews. It's, you know, like the N word. It's a similar thing. Suppose you don't know that. I know that Kamathi Watson is not a bigot against Jews. So if we're talking and all of a sudden you say, yeah, I heard these guys talking about some kikes. I know that you're not trying to be offensive. I know that you just don't know about the history of the word, maybe. So I would say, do you know? And that way we would talk about it. But now some other Jewish people who don't know you personally might hear that and say, oh, look at this guy. He's throwing this word around. And next thing you know, you're in the middle of a a, a problem that you didn't want and yeah. didn't intend. Yes, and, and, and not only that, not only that, we lost sight of what the whole conversation was supposed to be about because yeah. now we're addressing this issue when this shouldn't even have been an issue. Right, and I, I think you're right that a level of comfort and understanding the character of the other person goes a long way. I, my personal view on this when it comes to this stuff is that we ought to be giving people leeway. Like, you know how they have the new, um, there's a, a lot of issues now concerning transgenders, right? The, the transgender issue. And there's a lot of new terms, right? Now, I've been in prison a quarter of a century. To expect me to come out of prison and know every term and how I'm supposed to refer to this one or that one is ridiculous. I have no problem with transgender people. I think they're fine. I don't th- have an issue with them. I think they should have all the rights that the rest of us have. But I don't want to be excoriated because I happen to use the, I, I say transgender man when I should be saying transgender woman. You, you know yes. what I mean? And it's like people just expect you to catch on right away to understand all the new terminology. Well, again, I think and the bottom line is I think it's going to go down to everyone has an underlying motive to behind what they're doing. And like you're saying, if you're trying to get to the point of the matter and someone is trying to distract you by saying, oh, well, you use this word. You to me, it's got to be if you're going to sit down and have a serious conversation with anyone about anything, race, anything, it has to be a point where we're saying, are we going to sincerely come to this table with genuine interest to move forward and try to get answers and to try to acknowledge and resolve some of the issues that we have? Or are we here to just try to expound my my beliefs and and and, I, and, I'm, and I'm i'm trying to i'm trying to hide it behind saying that we're going to have this discussion about race but i'm really just here to just get my point across and say what i have to say 
And that's the thing that you have to, so when you're having a discussion with someone, I think, again, the quality or the type of individual that you're going to have a conversation with is going to determine how, how, how deep you get into it and how effective it's going to be. You know what I find interesting is that when it comes to racist, I ran into more racist white people in prison than out of prison, <laughs> which I find it, it, it's <laughs> yeah. an interesting thing because intuitively, I think that most people would expect it to be the opposite, that in prison, you're dealing with basically society's outcasts. So that you think that the people would identify with each other, but like I've had people come to me and you know white guys, oh you know you spend a lot of time talking to the black guys, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to talk to whom first of all whomever to f I please. That's the first thing, right? Yeah. Secondly, I want to associate with people that are into the same things I am. I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about self-betterment. I want to talk about anything to do with education. And if the, if the black guys are going to give me more of that, that's who I'm going to go talk to. And, exactly. you know, I, I mean, the thing was, one of my best friends in prison was Puerto Rican. My best friend was Brent. You know him. He's white. I wasn't looking around saying, hey, let me see the shade of the, the gentleman that I'm going to talk to. I'm going to talk to the people that are going to benefit me through their friendship. It, you know, yeah, but that takes a level of again because you're you're putting yourself in a situation where you you have a level of understanding that's going to be different from a lot of people. Like, and I'm going to use that, and I'm going to say, okay, we're going to go back to when you're talking about race, and we're going to talk about even. And I noticed this. This is one of the weirdest things, and I wrote about this, where you'll have racism obviously amongst your own races, and me being a light skinned black man, I can tell you how much racism I encountered even in the black community. Right. The fact that I'm not black enough or I, you know, I have white blood in me or you know, I can identify or relate to what a dark skinned black man would go through with dreads because I'm not seen as so much of a threat. Not taking into consideration that in the eyes of some white people, I'm just as I'm just as dangerous. I was, you know, I'm six, I was at the time I'm six, six two, two hundred and seventy pounds, you know, working out like a like I'm crazy. So I look pretty menacing without anyone knowing that I'm harmless. But in the eyes of someone who's on the outside looking and just looking at me, if you were to mirror me or put me side by side with someone else, there's there's going to be no distinction. They're they're they're, they're black. They're dangerous. Right. And I'm not saying that that's that's how everyone looks. Obviously, no. I'm, I'm ignorant to say that. But so when I'm having discussions myself, I have to I have to deal with that same type of mentality. Well, I'll give you an example. Another example. I go to New Haven and I have a, I have a friend that I talked to someone in New Haven and I go out there. I came from Hartford, Connecticut. Now, again, I'm not sure if this is so, I truly believe this is distinct. And I believe that this is sort of isolated to the black community. Being that I was from Hartford and I was in New Haven, I was actually told I got to be careful because, because I'm from Hartford, other people will look at me like I'm a threat. Why am I there? And I, I was basically, they call it, I got to pass. They literally said, this is term, using terms, I'm not sure, if it, but I got a pass that I was there because I was there with somebody else. Because if I wasn't there with somebody else and the fact that I was there from Hartford, I was I was, I was was seen as an outsider. And I could have potentially had a problem and people were doing certain things to try to kind of like egg me on to try to make it so it's a situation now with CC, this, this is this is this is why I want to have people come from my hood. But I've seen it. And because I seen it, I was like, yeah, I need to call it for that. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be, but I'm saying that to say, when you talk about racism, that it's, 
as a black man, and I'm pretty sure you can you experience in some forms in, in the Jewish community. As a black man, not only do I have to deal with the racism that's coming from another culture, and I'm not just going to isolate it to whites, because I'm going to just be honest with you. The most racist people that I've seen that I've dealt with were Cubans, and I've lived in Miami, and I don't want to say it like that, but I'm just being honest. They're, they're racist as hell. They were like, it was ridiculous. But but I'm not sure if that's, I'm not, I'm just being honest. I'm just I told people. you he'd keep it raw, people. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Cubans, they, they tore me to death. I don't so, even understand it. And, and they thought I was, they thought I was, they thought I was um, Cuban. And they, when they found that I weren't Cuban, they were, they was like, they were upset. <laughs> you know, I, I was watching an episode of Blackish once, the show, what's the guy's name that's in it? Anthony. Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson, yeah. And there was an episode that dealt with what you're talking about, about racism within the black community of the darker skins were prejudice against the, the lighter skins. And I remember talking to, I think you remember Doc uh, from, from McDougal. If you don't, it's, it's fine. But he was in there with me and I was talking to him one day and I said, that would drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. I said, the stuff that, that black people go through in this country and some of it like that self-inflicted. But that would drive me nuts. Like to have to pass all these tests, like, oh, wait, he's light skinned, so he doesn't understand, or he was raised in a white community, or he talks white. Like I remember distinctly when you you were taking a psychology class. And I remember you went down, they called you down to get your books, and you were so excited that you got your psychology books. And I remember, I think he was a, a Colombian guy. And he says to you, what are you doing getting an education? We're from the projects. We do drugs. No, no, we're from the streets, yes. Yeah. Like, and I just like, that's like insane. But in honesty, it, it while it may be more prevalent in the black community now, as I'm thinking about it, like Italians, the, the Northern Italians are prejudiced against the Southern Italians. And the, the Irish and the English, they hate each other. Like, it's just insane uh, I watched this movie one time. I can't remember the name of it now, but it took place in India. And the the whole idea was about the English oppression of the Indian people. And it was a good movie. But in that movie, they had the, you know, in India, they have the caste system. Yes. So they had to show that. And the guy who was fighting against the English oppression was discriminating against the guy the, the guy that's in the lower cast and it wasn't even intentional. Like the movie wasn't trying to make a point. They were just showing how it was. And I told the same guy, doc and doc just put his head down and he said, what the hell is wrong with us? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, us, see, us humans. What is, one of the things that you have to understand, especially when it comes down to racism within the culture and the black culture, African-American community, black community is with white skin and dark skin. I'm not sure if you know where it stems from, but it stems from slavery. And the reason why it stems from slavery is because they have that term house nigger, field nigger, or house, you know, house slave, field slave, where the house slaves were the individuals who were lighter skinned. They were the ones that weren't considered as, you know, I would say as, um, I don't want to say as intimidating, but that's the, that's the only term I could use. So inside the house, you had the light-skinned, uh, even even the light-skinned males or light-skinned females who tended to the slave owner. And as a result, that's what started the, I would say, the divide in the black community because the darker-skinned blacks, they were they were regulated to the fields. So now even today, that's why they're saying, well, they'll say, well, light-skinned people, they will have, it's not as, and I can honestly say this, and, I'm, and I'm, I know, again, that this may not sound right, but I can honestly say I believe that 
I am not perceived as such a danger or such a threat as it would be. Again, I'm still black, but I honestly believe that I don't believe that I'm perceived because one, I, 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 I can articulate myself in, in a different way than others. And that's another thing within the black community. If you speak a certain way, if I'm not hood enough, then I'm, I'm trying to be white. And I'm right. like, so education means white. So ignorance means black. I mean, if you right. really think about that, that's the conditioning that we have to deal with. Where if you have an individual who's educated, who's saying, I'm going to learn this English language and I'm going to use this English language properly, then it's you're trying to be something other than yourself. So think about the sickness in the mind of an individual that says, in order for you to be black, you have to remain in you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, like you said, you have to rain in the projects and you have to be a gangster. You have to be uneducated. And that's the definition of black. This is the, right. this is the image that we have, because if you ever try to step out of that, that image, educate yourself, speak proper. Oh, you're trying to be white. You're right. trying to be white. And I mean, if you really think about that, how can someone now that is not as prevalent as it is. And I think that there, people are kind of, seeing how ridiculous that is as far as the black community, me being a black community, that we're trying to say, no, 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 we're not going to be. And he, like my son, I'm so proud of my son because my son is so far detached from, he like despises like criminal life, like gangsters and thugs. And I mean, he's like into like video games and, you know, his, his, and, it, and I'm so proud of that compared, I was, I, I was hoping that he wouldn't follow in my footsteps and he couldn't be the, the opposite. But I'm proud that he wouldn't allow society to tell him or you have to be this thug, or you have to be like this in order to be accepted in your own community. Yeah. And my son's the type of individual he'll say, "Well, I'm just not going to be accepted in that community because I'm just if this is what I have to do to qualify to be black, then I'm yeah. just, I guess I'm just not black." Then. Right. And that takes strength of character. And as you were talking, I remembered when you and I first started hanging out together. I remember the comments that some of the guys in the block, the other black guys w would say to you about hanging out with me. I'm trying to brainwash you and all kinds of stuff. Yep. And I know it, it, it affected you, but at the same time, you had the strength of character to not listen to it. To What I mean by not listen is to not come and tell me, you know what? We can't talk anymore. You, you, you yeah. know, we can't hang out together anymore, but still, I just wondered like, what was that like? To, to deal with that type of pressure and, you know, like I'll give you just one instance. There was a time I had a guy living upstairs for me that used to blast his music all the time. So loud and so disrespectful. I used to argue with him all the time about it. He was a Jamaican guy. Now I'm a five foot eight white guy, weigh 170 pounds. I can't fight worth a lick. And plus I'm, you know, I had a reputation for being peaceful, passive, whatever. But then you moved next to him. Now, like you said, you're 6'2", you're huge, and you're very athletic. And you told him, yo, can you turn that radio down? And the guy, instead of confronting you directly, said, oh, you're letting those white people downstairs brainwash you. And on one hand, it's so insulting. It's like, yeah. you can't think so for yourself. You're so weak yeah. that the, the whites are just going to infiltrate you, Right. But on the other hand, it's a tactic that he employed because he understood the power behind it, right? He, yeah. he wouldn't have tried that if he didn't understand. So what it, what is that like to deal with that? Well, as I said before, it was 
it was something that again, if I believe that if I didn't have the types of, a type of mind frame where I wanted better, that I would have I would have folded and I would have said, you know what, you're right. Because it's like you said, when I was inside that building, the same thing where people were saying, you know, why are you with that that Jewish kid? That dude is like this, he's like that, or he's trying to, like you said, he's going to be a certain type of way. And instead of allowing me to determine how I'm going to judge this situation, you want to implant these ideas in, in my mind and make me make decisions based on how you feel. And the problem with that is at the time, at that time in my life, I was tired of listening to other people. I was tired of listening to other people and making determinations on my life based on what you think. And then what I started to do was, is I started to, like you said, I educated myself to the point where I started to look at people's character and not their skin tone. Where I said to myself, I'm not going to stop talking to Mike because you say so. And then I look at what you're doing and I'm looking at what he's doing. So in contrast to what he's doing as compared to what you're doing, I'm looking at character now. I'm not looking at what this person's saying. I'm, I'm looking at what you're doing. And you can't tell me in one breath, oh, yeah, you shouldn't hang around this guy because he's this, that, he's this and that. And then five minutes later, you're going to go gamble or you're going to go do this, this and you're going to go, you know, do all of these things that character-wise, your character sucks. So why would I listen to you or why would I take any yeah. advice from you? Yeah. Secondly, I'm thinking about everything again. I was at the stage in my life where I wanted to educate myself and I wanted to better myself. And I wanted to surround myself with individuals that I believe will put me in a better position, will have better character, even in that environment. Yeah. Because as much as people may say, oh, it's prison, it's prison, it's prison, you do have people that have good character inside there, or, or at least working on their character sure. to try to become a better person. Yeah. And as a consequence of that, I tried to separate myself from what I could see clear madness. I'm not going to be around people gambling. I'm not going to be around people that's doing drugs. I'm not going to be around that because that's just not my thing. So I tried to put myself in people. And just like you said, it wasn't regulated to skin tone. If you were black and you were on this mission and you had a, and I felt that you were doing the right thing and you were being positive, I'm going to be around you. If you, were, if you were white and you were doing that nonsense, I'm not around you. If you're black, you're doing that nonsense, I'm not around you. So to me, it was it was hard but it wasn't I'm gonna just be it wasn't as hard because I was at a stage in my life where I was fed up. I was fed up, I was tired, and honestly, I I'm not the toughest guy, but I know how to defend myself. I know how to fight. <laughs> and, and, and so I know that it wasn't gonna be a situation where you're gonna come to me and, and, and force me to stop. So it was a, it was a suggestion that you were giving me, and pretty much I just had to take your suggestion or not. And for the most part, you see, I was inside there. I wasn't a bully, but people people didn't mess with me. No, it, the, the funny thing about the idea that I was brainwashing you and obviously people on the outside couldn't know because they're not familiar with our conversations is you argued with me constantly. It's not like <laughs> yeah. I ever just said, hey, this is the thing. And you said, yes, sir, Mr. Leibowitz, you're absolutely correct. I'm going to now adopt your point of view. You yeah. constantly came back at me. And the thing was, I, what they people didn't maybe realize is I was learning from you. It wasn't like I'm there and I'm the teacher and you're the student, which is insulting enough that that's how they would assume it, right? Yes. Because that wasn't the case. Because you're giving me a totally different perspective on life and understanding, even in situations when we're talking about race. And I didn't agree with you. I would say to myself, though, okay, but now I can understand why he thinks that way or why that's his yes. position. It's not a ridiculous position to me. And it allowed me to get to the point where I, during when the uh, whole kneeling over the, the flag thing and then the football, do you remember that with Colin Kaepernick? Yes, and Colin Kaepernick, yeah. Right. I disagreed with him. 
But at the same time, I understood two things. I understood why black people might do that, right? I understood how, given the history of the country, it's hard to say, okay, yes, but there's a lot of great things in the country because given what it's done to people because they look like me, right? I, I understood that. On the other hand, I also understood why so many people took offense to it. People that this country has benefited incredibly. But I, that is such a great gift that I, I've been given to be able to see two perspectives and maybe not agree with either of them, but just see them. And that's what I got from talking to people like you, people like Doc, was to come to understand like I said, even when you disagree, I don't have to agree with you to understand you have a legitimate perspective, right? Yes. So that to me is huge. Now the woman. But again, I, go go ahead, Mel. I mean, go go ahead. No, I just again because I, I think it's all going to boil down to the level of understanding and the level of what a person is coming to the table with. Right now, you have individuals who are your audience and are listening. And I believe that your audience, based on the content that you have, are going to come with more of an open mind and will come with more of, it's, it's, it's a broader, I'm going, to, it's like I'm, saying, I'm going to give you more leeway in contrast to someone who has an idealistic point of view where it's like, I'm not going to have anything outside come and interfere with this. This is my philosophy. This is my standpoint. Right. And I'm only going to try to make you believe my standpoint or, or and that's it. In contrast to someone who's saying, you know what, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to absorb this information and I'm going to and I'm going to, you know, take this information that I have and I'm just going to, you know, whatever it is, it is what it is. If it's the truth, it's the truth. If it's not, it's not. If it's opinionated, I'm going to determine that opinion compared to someone who is just, again, has an idea or an ideal that they're stuck with and they're, they're not willing to um, bend on anything. Do you remember, this is going back to what we were talking about a little while ago, I thought of it. When we were in working in industries together and you were having a conversation with a very dark-skinned black guy who was Nation of Islam, and yeah. the guy said to you, because you're light-skinned, I wouldn't let you teach my kids. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah. about? And yeah. I just remember how upset, like you were infuriated. Like I've... No, I've no. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you remember that was that was uh, that was uh, well, I don't want to say his name, but that was I know who it was. Yeah. I know who. It but was. you know, you know why this conversation came about. I, all I knew was that part of it because I wasn't there. You to, you came and talked to me, and you told me, and you were just told me how upset it got me at the time, okay. and that so well, you could give us some context. But I also want to know how that what that felt like. Well, this is that was the same situation before what I was saying about the light skin, dark skin. But just to give you background and context on it is for a while, I'm just remember, but I was five percenter. Yeah. Um, five percenters, unless your audience doesn't know, it's, it's it's an offshoot of the nation of Islam. And the five percenters they call themselves gods and earths. Yes. Where in essence, just to sum it up in a nutshell, is they believe that the original black man is a god yeah. and that he was the first uh human being on this earth and all of the humans derive from him. Yeah. And that we were, if you study, I mean, it goes real deep. If you study things about Egyptian theology, it goes into about how, you know, we were at this stage, this God stage, where we could use our minds and the capacity of our minds. Look, I'm not going to keep you that. The long story short is they believe that the black man, this individual that you're referring to, they believe that the original black man are like the kings, gods of this earth. 
and anyone any other races are basically lower races. They're lower caste. Kamati, say, come on, be real and say what they think the other races are. Come on, not just Well, they believe that the the black man, obviously, if the black man is a god, the white man is the devil. Yes. They believe that the the black, again, because you got everything is is dualistic. Everything is white, black, uh, good, evil, you know. So that's what they believe. They believe that the white man is actually a product that is, well, actually, he was designed by Yakub, the big-headed scientist, and he's a product of basically it, it, it was a, it was just a big scheme. It was a psychological, a scientific experiment right. to bring about the white race in order to show what would happen if you have the complete opposite of good. Yeah. So this is what this is about. With that being said, being that I'm light-skinned, he was saying, "Well, you still have three-fifths devil in your blood." This is literally what this is the conversation that he had, where he said, "You have knowledge itself." This is what I'm using terms that your audience are familiar. But when you're considered to have knowledge itself, that yeah. means that you know the 120 lessons. That means that, and I was I was smart enough to adopt and know the 120 lessons. Right. The five so percenters have their own vocabulary. Yes, yes. And what it is is the 120 lessons. It's like basically saying if you were in a religion, if you had a Bible, and let's say that I was that I was a Christian and I was very knowledgeable in the Bible. Someone say he's a learned scholar or he's a he's a Christian scholar, and the, and in the five percenters, when someone says he has knowledge itself, that means that he has he he's he's knowledgeable in, in in his teachings. So no one could ever say that I wasn't knowledgeable in my teachings, and everyone knew that I knew one twenty off the back of my head because I studied it. I studied one twenty. I studied supreme mathematics. I studied the supreme alphabet. I studied all of this, so I knew it like the back of my hand to the point where every day you would get challenged, and an individual will come up to you and they'll say, "What's today's knowledge? What's today's lesson?" Yeah. And you had to spit out what today's lesson is. If today's the eleventh, you'd have to go by what today is, and you'd break down the numbers, numerology, and you'd break it down for. Them. But the point that I'm when you were to get back to you were saying is, he said, despite the fact that you're knowledgeable. The sheer fact that you're light skinned, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have you around my kids because I wasn't black enough. And to me, I took such offense to that because I'm thinking to myself, what does the knowledge that I have one have to do with what I can teach someone else? Two, you're judging me based strictly on my skin tone, and we're right. both black. I'm like, we're both black. Can't you see that? But in his mind frame, it's the simple fact that I was light skinned, and he believed that quote unquote I was polluted. Yeah. And that's literally what he said. He said, Joe, you polluted. He said, you, he, the term that he used, he said, you have three-fifths devil still in your blood. Look at you. you like you like a white man. And again, it took everything in me. I'm just being real. It took everything in me because you know I wanted to hurt this dude. I wanted to break his jaw. <laughs> but I said, I'm not going to do that. And as a result, I just said, you know what? I'm going to see it for what it is. He's ignorant. He's an idiot. And I just decided to stay away from him. Right. But yeah, that, that bothered me because I'm thinking to myself, why is it that within my own culture, I just I can't even I can't even I can't even teach someone else or talk to someone else without experiencing this just like a racism? Right. And the, the irony in this, just so, to, to let people know, are that the founder of the nation of Islam, uh, Elijah Muhammad, and uh, the his uh, teacher W. D. Fard, who are are both teachers of the five percenters, right, are yes. lighter than you. Yes. No, they, 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 they literally they were considered they they and what's so crazy if you study the teachings, they were considered white. And they were given these 
teachings and quote, and this is how I say if you think about it, I mean, now they were supposedly, according to the teachings, implanted into the white community in order to get knowledge from the white community, but wouldn't be detected and they can bring this back to the black community. But that's just the history. It's, it's deep. All right. So enough with the sins of the blacks. How about the whites? How much? <laughs> How I, I I know you've experienced racism in your life, but I want to know both before you went in, after you went in, how much racism, discrimination have you experienced, and how is it? How does it feel when that happens? How does it feel? Yeah. I mean, again, before before prison experiencing racism, I wasn't very. I would say I wasn't in tune. That's the only way I could say to it. Mm -hmm. So when I experienced racism prior to me having more knowledge or being a little bit older, a little bit more wisdom, I obviously experienced racism growing up. One of the most troubling things is, I'm not sure if you're aware of my audience, but I have a, my daughter. My daughter's half white. Yep. My first baby's mother, she's uh, she's she's half white. So, And I was always around her. We were all together. And her stepfather was uh white and the mother's white and again i could see that there was some type of conflict with me being inside the home i don't think necessarily he was judging me based on me being black per se i think that obviously that had something to do with it but i think it was had to do with it the fact that you know i'm smoking weed and i'm and i'm doing all these other things that wasn't right but long story short we used to have conversations and he said something to me and i swear i'll never forget this and he said uh when we're having a conversation he said I'm glad you're not like those 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 other niggers out there. And I was like, "What did you say?" And he and he, he actually thought that that was a compliment. He said he was just saying, he said, "No, no, no. I'm, I'm glad you're like 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 those other niggers in Hartford." And I was like, "What the fuck are you?" I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, "What what are you talking?" About? It's okay. And he really truly believed like he was saying something, and that's what let me know. And again, it took me until to be an older man for me to realize. Because at the time, I didn't have the, the understanding. I just went from zero to 100. But it took me to be older to realize that in his mind, he really believed like he wasn't saying anything offensive. Like, I'm actually separating you from, I guess, these animals in the street and saying, you're not like them. And I'm thinking to my mind, what do you mean like them? I mean, I'm, you don't know them to, to me to say that. You're just, just getting a picture. You're getting a caricature of someone right. and saying, this is what all black people are. This, like I can say, this is what all, it's just ignorance. So the difference now is I have a level of understanding. Right now, I experience racism at work. I was supposed to get hired to, for a promotion. I had a hard time believing that it was simply my, because again, I do a reality. And now I try to take in all the information to say, was it my record? Was it my character? Was it my race that played a factor in, 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 in these things? When before, it was very easy for me to isolate it to, I'm just black, but they're just doing this just because I'm black. But now I have to take into consideration, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm just not a good fit character-wise. But the experience to experience racism today, especially in this Trump era, it's different. It's different. Because I believe, do I believe that Trump's a racist? I do. I don't believe that Trump is the type of individual who will isolate everything to race. I believe that even, and again, I know that I know you may not want to do that. I apologize, but I'm just being real. But that's just the type of mentalities that I have to deal with. That I say to myself, I deal, I'm going to give you another example, and I'm sorry, but I have to. 
Go ahead. I talked to someone who's, a, who's an avid Trump supporter, mm-hmm. avid Trump supporter, and two people. One of them is black. One of them is black, and he's a, he's a black Republican. And I mean, this dude is, and I make fun of him sometimes. Let <laughs> be honest with you. But it's and, and the other individual, she, she's white, and she's an avid Trump supporter, and she will talk about it, and we'll go back and forth, and she'll explain to me, you know, her support of Trump and how he's not racist and the policies that he put forth and all these other things. And I'll agree with her on some things and other things that I won't. But I say to myself, I'm not going to isolate and say everything that he's doing is specifically about race. It could be about money. But the point that I'm trying to make is it's just, it's different. It's just different. Well, it's hard, right, to, I would imagine, because I know you, I know you try to be an objective person and take in all factors like you just said. So it's difficult to know. Is it racism? Is it this? Is it that? But I am happy that you don't just jump right to it has to be racism. Right? Because that's easy. That's a cop out. Yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. And for the record, I personally don't think Trump's a racist. I think he's a sociopath who will do anything and say anything to get where he wants to go, including if that means making racist comments. That, oh, yeah. that's what that that's that's what i think about trump i mean ultimately there's no way to prove it i you know what i mean i certainly yeah. am not going to argue and say no he's no racist because i don't know but that's just my yeah. personal personal take on it do you do you think though like you're you have a lot of knowledge of the history but you know you, you've studied the black history in america throughout the world do you think that it's getting better race-wise what i mean is there less racism in the world now than there was, say, pre-Martin Luther King. Yes. Do I think I think it's getting better? And the reason why I think it's getting better because I think it's just a simple, sheer fact of the exposure to to knowledge. And I believe that we have more of a, what they call it this woke culture. I believe that a lot of people now are beginning to determine. And I think now, unfortunately, I think it's going to start turning. I think it's going to shift from racism to classism. And I think now more people are concerned about finances than than skin tone. So I believe that it is getting better. I do believe that obviously you have pockets of, of probably in, you know, across the country where again, social isolation, when you're dealing with people who are socially isolated from other individuals, like I'm going to give you an example. I had a supervisor at work and a supervisor that I had at work when I worked in a market shop, we had intimate conversations and he explained to me, he was a white man and uh, French and he used to explain to me candidly that he never had exposure to black people ever and i was one of the first exposures that he had to someone black to the point when we were having a conversation he casually said oh and my wife ran into this colored guy the other other day and i was like what did you say and he said i remember this yeah my wife she she was driving by and this colored guy had, had drove by on a bicycle and i was like colored and he truly, since genuinely, he did he he thought that was the appropriate thing to say. And I was like, yeah. I'm not saying that it's bad, but I was like, you can just say he's a black guy. Yeah, and, and he the, got surprised. Yeah, he was and, like, and, he, he thought that was offensive. The, the funny thing is, I don't I know you're I don't like the guy at all. I can't yeah. stand him, but I don't think he's racist. I really don't. He's not. Yeah. And, and, and that's the crazy. If someone were to see him and they were to hear his words and. It's it, it's not that he was racist. Again, it was such social isolation that he, he was so detached from African culture. I think he was detached from any culture. He was sheltered. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's just this reality yeah. that when it came down to interacting with other, even other cultures, it's not just black. It was other cultures. He was so 
He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. Right. So I don't think that, again, I don't think that he looked at it. I don't think he was racist. I don't think that he said, because he said it. He was like, he said, I totally changed his perception of black people. He said, because the fact that, I, I, one, I was a hard worker. He's honestly believing we had these conversations. We kind of joked a little bit. But he said he didn't believe that, you know, black guys like to work. He said black guys don't work. They sell drugs. Because, and oh he truly, sincerely, no, we sell, we sell drugs. That's what we do. That's what we do. We sell drugs. We womenize. We beat women. We uh, we run the streets. We're, we, we, we abandon our children. This is the this is the ideal that he had, obviously, which was fed by probably the media or fed by you know just 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 stereotypes that he just never had. He never challenged, and there was no reason for him to challenge it because he lived in an environment where it didn't it didn't it is it was just a topic of conversation. It wasn't something that he had to address. So as a result, when he had these conversations with me, and when I sat there, honestly, I was like, I was I was just shocked. It was sort of like almost like kind of blown away, like. I couldn't, it was hard to believe someone could be this socially isolated as an adult. And you're having conversations with him to the point where he doesn't even know the t terminology to use to address another race. That's like me saying to somebody, yeah, these, 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 these spicks are just walking. And then and someone will be like, what the? Dude, you are so going to get me say? canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you're canceled. <laughs> you shouldn't have brought me on this show. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, well, Mr. George Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I say uh, that because I mean, I'm using terms, and, I, and another thing about what society, and that's, and this is the part that gets me. And unfortunately, and fortunately, I'm not in the position like yourself because I understand that you have to be. I, I know you, and I know you're not going to be. You're going to be careful what you say. You're going to be respectful. I'm not going to say careful. You're going to be respectful yeah. for what you're saying. You're going to get your point across, but. In society, I just believe everyone is just so soft right oh now. Oh my Everybody God. is just yeah. so and, and soft. Look, it's like, listen. Me, I'm like, you can say certain things to me again, and I'm not just using African American. I'm not just using race. I'm using gender. I'm using everything. everything. Like, everyone is so scared right. to say everything because everyone's so scared of being canceled. You right. can't cancel me. What can you right. cancel about me? You can't cancel my job. I'm working at my job. So it's like to me, but I believe that we should be able to be freely to speak respectfully. Yeah, listen, respectfully. listen, you're right. Respect to get their point across. But I believe that I should be able to speak my mind respectfully. I don't have to agree with you respectfully without being canceled. And that's the right. problem right now. Yeah, like, yeah, like. It, it, now, this isn't there's a, a context too. this right here, obviously, isn't the appropriate context for him to say. But if you and I are, are in, a, in a in a conversation on Facebook or we're together somewhere, we're like free. Like we say things to each other that if, that we, you know, we'd get canceled by everybody, <laughs> everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, but, we would. Yeah, we would. Yeah. But but the thing is, to me, there's a difference between maliciousness and lighthearted fun. Right. Like if we're having a serious yeah. discussion, yes, be blunt, be straightforward, be respectful. But if I have a level of comfort with you, right, and we're joking around and somebody hears it, like I don't want someone coming to me and say, how could you let that guy say that about Jews? Man, shut up. It's a joke. Exactly. We're playing. Yeah, and, and, you know what I mean? Like what am I? we're supposed to walk around. I would never use that term. You know, come on, man. 
Yeah, I believe everyone in today's society is hypersensitive with everything that's being said. And again, I believe everyone wants you to adopt their viewpoint and their philosophy without taking into consideration someone as theirs. And if you don't, just like I said, I can, I could respectfully disagree with you. It doesn't mean I'm a racism. It doesn't mean that I just respectfully disagree with what you have to say. And if I, if I can't, I mean, again, we're living in a society right now where we can't, we're so afraid. I'm not going to say we can't, but people are so afraid to say what they're going to say out of fear of being canceled. And I think that's just ridiculous. I, I that I'm, I'm well. glad when you have individuals who do have a podium to stand on and 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 can have consequences behind it, and then they speak their minds. I understand again respectfully. I'm not talking about individuals who's going up there and they're bashing people or right. belittling people or degrading people. That's a whole different story. That's a Absolutely. different that's a different conversation. But I don't have to agree with the terminology that someone uses to identify themselves with, and as a result, you're going to cancel me for it. I just think that's ridiculous. Because if that's I, I the case, well. if I don't, if you, so if, how can I cancel you? Is it, should it be isolated so only one person can get canceled? Because nowadays, and you see where I'm going with this, and I'm not even want to go this route, but it seems like certain individuals have, can stand on a podium, can make arguments and claims, and other individuals can't. And that's where it's just not fair. I, you, I should be able to disagree with your standpoint, and you can disagree with my standpoint, and we can still we can still coexist without it being yeah. a situation where well, if I don't agree with you, then we don't, we can't obviously be around. No, 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 no. It doesn't have to be that way. No, I was around individuals not. that I disagree with all the time. And again, we just disagreed on this, on this one particular topic. We may agree on other topics. So even though we disagree on this particular topic, we, we don't, we don't have to cancel each other because of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, I definitely want to have you back on because I, I love talking to you. It's great. I've missed this. <laughs> we haven't, yes. we don't really don't have a lot of these conversations, but you have a book out. Uh, can you tell the audience what it is? And you're going to give me a link and it'll be, I'll post it when I post the show. We'll have the link so people can get your book. Absolutely. Yeah. I wrote, a book. Uh, I wrote actually 28 books, but this is a personal book. I wrote my autobiography. It's called The Death of Me, Accounts of Street Life, Incarceration, and Skills of Socialization. This book basically documents my 24 years of incarceration, but it not only documents my 24 years of incarceration, it documents my growth. It talks about a lot of things that we were talking about the show today, as far as the growth between me being on the streets, me being a gang member from the, you know, I, I, went to incar I was incarcerated for taking the life of a friend of mine and um, a, a friend that we got into a disagreement with. I went through stages of when I first went to prison, finding myself religion, uh, going through cycles of either Christianity. When I went through Christianity, again, being a part of the 5% nation for about seven years, uh, Islam, to my growth with, you know, trying to step away from gang violence, to me trying to educate myself, to the racism that I experienced inside prison, to what happened with my family. Again, uh, learning to live in a prison learning to basically, you know, just get away from society and live in a prison to starting up a program, grassroots program with a couple of other inmates together. We started a peer-on-peer -peer mentorship program to actually try to teach individuals skills of socialization, how to socialize, how to speak properly, how to educate yourself, how to live in a world without using, you know, without being a prison. Wait, wait, wait. How to speak properly or how to speak white? I'm confused. Which which one? No, no, no. You have to speak white. There's no longer no there's no black talk anymore. There's no black talk. <laughs> you gotta speak like a white guy. <laughs> you, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for coming on and having this discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Mike, anytime. I love you, Mike. I love you. I love you.
I love you too, brother. And for now, this is the Rational League with signing out. I'm Michael Leibowitz. Hey, let me know what you thought of this episode. Till next time.